So it is good to have you here. Before we begin officially, we just um, feel like it's a, a really important moment that we take to do a land acknowledgement. We live, work, and play, and our guests on the land of the Coast Salish, Stolo, Semiamu, Kwantlen, and Seameth people here in Abbotsford. And if you want to find out who you are a guest to, you can check out native-lands.ca. Um, so that is our first point of business here. And then we just want to welcome you here. It is. It feels like we have had so many stops and starts with gathering in person, and we're so grateful for our Zoom um, campus, so to speak, but it is really good to be together here as well, and glad that the Zoom campus can join us as well. So we want to extend a special welcome to those who are single, married, divorced, widowed, LGBTQ+, put together, falling apart, filthy rich, comfortable, or dirt poor. You're all welcome here. We extend a special welcome to wailing babies and excited toddlers, although they do get to play outside right now, and what a day for that. I was saying to Eden, I think maybe um, we're going to have to start taking credit, because I feel like this is the weather we always get when we gather. But um, you're, you're welcome here. If you can sing like Celine, or just growl quietly to yourself. You're welcome here if you are just browsing, just woken up, got out of bed in your pajama pants still, you are welcome here. Um, we don't care if you're super spiritual, haven't been to church since Christmas or in two years. It's okay even if you're a little bit not sure what you think about God or the church right now, you're actually still welcome here and we love having you here. Um, we extend a special welcome to those who are over 60 but not grown up, to teenagers who are growing up too fast. We welcome, um, let's see, CrossFit moms, hockey parents, starving artists, tree huggers, latte sippers, vegetarians, junk food eaters, those who are in recovery, those who are addicted. We welcome you if you're having problems down in the dumps and really are not sure what you think about organized religion. We offer a welcome to those who work too hard, aren't paid for the work they do, can't spell, yeah, okay, I am okay with that one. I just needed the Holy Spirit to do a little work in me there. Um, and we welcome you if you're here because your granny is visiting and you needed a right to church, or you're a granny who's visiting your son this week. We welcome you. Um, and we welcome those who are inked, pierced, both, neither. A special welcome for those who could use prayer right now, and I, we do legitimately mean that. And um, we're just, we would just want to know you're welcome. The table is wide, and there's a place for you. I was listening to um, Lauren Daigle on the way here this morning, and it, uh, I was listening to a song. Just it popped up on my, you know, you know how sometimes you just hit play, and your iPod, decide, your iPhone decides what you want to listen to. Well, it just, it chose first for me this morning. So before I speak a word, let me hear your voice. And I was like, oh, that's probably good. That's probably a good thing just before I speak. So, so God, I pray that before I speak a word that we would all hear your voice today. That we would hear you speak to us. And that if I get in the way, then I pray that you would just speak around me. But if you can speak through me, then bring it on too. Amen. So this is the first Sunday of Lent. But our, um, our series, our theme remains the same. And our theme is Jesus at the center because every story tells his story. Lent is the season of fasting before Easter. It's a season of grief that ends with a great celebration. 
So just as we set aside time in Advent to get ready for Christmas, we set aside in Lent time to get ready for Good Friday and then Easter Sunday. Lent is not shiny, it is not triumphal, it is not sexy. It's not like that thing that everybody goes, oh, I'm gonna really do Lent this year, it's gonna be amazing. Because it really isn't. I'm gonna do Lent so good. It's really not like that. Um, Lent is a time that offers us an opportunity to actually look at our humanity and the human condition that we all live with that we spend the rest of the year trying to ignore. Um, many parts of the church hate Lent, ignore Lent, just rush straight to Easter because it's all about the celebration, it's all about the woo but actually we've got to get to the before we get to the woo because otherwise we miss something deep. So that's what Lent is about. It's uh, a way of opening our hearts a little bit wider. It's a way of just going that little bit deeper with Jesus. So that when we get to Easter, it's actually not just another day, but it's actually a, oh, I can lay all that down and actually rise with Jesus from where I've been. So our focus on Jesus might make me kind of go, okay, I've got to do the gospel passage of the lectionary that I've been given. Um, but actually this week when I was reading it, I felt like I should really focus on Genesis 2 and Colossians 3. And the, the gospel passage, I couldn't, the Mark 16, I just couldn't figure out how that fit in. So I was like, I scrapped that bit. Let's just focus on these ones. So Genesis 2 um, is another creation story. And I call it another creation story because it's not the only one that we have. Like, right, if you read Genesis 1, that's a creation story. And then you turn the page, Genesis 2, and you're like, oh, wait, didn't we just do that? What are we doing again? What is, uh, that doesn't make sense, it doesn't line up. So this is another creation story. And I'm going to read it um, from this, which is a Women's Lectionary for the Whole Church by Wilder Gaffney. Let me show Zoom. There you go, you guys get to see it too. Um, so this is, uh, this is the, the lectionary that we're using, and it's a Women's Lectionary for the Whole Church. And I've... Um, I'm going to use her version because I love her pronouns. Um, and I love the way she says, uh, the Lord God appears in lots of versions, but she says sovereign God, which kind of broadens the whole thing. So, um, this is Genesis 2. The sovereign God crafted the human from the dust of the humus, the earth, and breathed into its nostrils the breath of life, and the human became a living soul. The sovereign God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there placed the human whom God had formed. Out of the ground, the sovereign God made grow every tree, pleasant to the sight and good for food, and the tree of life in the middle of the garden, along with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The sovereign God took the human and settled it in the garden of Eden. I love that. Like, took the human, little, little baby human, and settled it in the garden. Here you be happy. I'll call you up. Um, sorry. Um, and uh, so settled it in the Garden of Eden to till and tend it. Then the sovereign God commanded the human, from every tree of the garden you may eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day you eat from it, you will surely die. That story is for another day. We'll leave that one and go to this bit, which I think is what we need to focus on today. Then sovereign God said, it's not good that the human should be alone. I will make someone to rely on as its partner. Then the sovereign God crafted from the humus every creature of the earth and every bird of the skies and brought them to the human to see what it would call them. The human gave names to all the cattle 
and to the birds of the air and to every animal of the field. But for the human, there was not one found to rely on as its partner. The sovereign God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the human, and it slept. Then took one of its sides and closed up its place with flesh in place of it. And the sovereign God built the side that had been taken from the human into a woman and brought her to the human. Then the human said, this time, this one is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called a woman, for out of a man this one was taken. Therefore a man leaves his mother and his father and clings to his woman, and they become one flesh. And they were, the two of them, naked, the man and his woman, or the woman and her man, and they were not ashamed. Those last four lines, and were not ashamed. That's the beautiful part of this. They were not ashamed. Every culture and faith tradition has its own origin story, along with Marvel characters. They also appear to have their own origin story. Over and over, and let's retell that one one more time. I think we oh, a bit like the Bible does, actually. Here's an origin story, and I've got a better way of telling that. Let's do that again. And then Psalms comes along, I've got a better way, let's do it again. Spider-Man, let's do it again. <laughs> and again. And again. Um, we love stories, and we use stories to make sense of stuff. That's, that's what they're for. Um, and I called it another creation story, because we, there are multiple versions of this thing. So this origin story in our faith culture was told and retold and told and told again down through the generations until somebody finally went, we should probably write that down. So it's not a first-hand account. It's not a second-hand account. It's not a third-hand account. I mean, this thing's gone through many, many people to get to where it is, to where somebody went, oh, we should write that down. Um, this is a story, it's an oral story, and it has been told and retold and expanded and contracted and translated now. So not only are we dealing with a story that's an oral story that's been told and told and told, but we're dealing with a story that's been told and told and told and then translated, and then translated from a translation and translated again. And then gone, yeah, I don't like that bit, and sh just shimmy that word and then translate it again. And then we have this, and we go, is it true? <laughs> no. Probably not. Um, can we know for sure that it happened? No. Does it matter? No. Also no. Does it speak truth? Yes. And that's the important thing. Because it speaks truth to the question that we had at the round table this morning. It speaks truth to the question, who are you? I don't know how deep you took that. I actually sat down and went, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? That's a terrible question. <laughs> I feel really intimidated by my own question. I should have perhaps thought about this. I, I had advanced warning. Um, so anyway, I don't know how deep you took that or how awkward you found it. Um, but there are a few things in this story that help me to answer it. So who are we? First of all, we are humans made from humus. Humus is earth. And it's a deep, loamy, rich, fertile kind of soil that hasn't been stripped of all its nutrients from over farming. And we are deep and rich and fertile as humans, each and every one of us. There's just that fabulous wordplay between humans and humus, right? It's just they're, they're playing with that whole thing of we are made of the earth, we are made of something rich and deep. 
Um, we are earthlings made of earth, they could have said. We are wild from the wilderness. Or at least we were then. We've kind of domesticated ourselves. But essentially, we're wild on the inside. We have the potential to be again the fully embodied, happily dwelling in the bodies and skin that we were given, unashamed humans that we were made. So that is who are we? We are naked and unashamed. We were made in the image of God. So what is there to be ashamed about? We are good at our core. The very center of who we are, the essence of everything that we are is good. We are like the three-year-old who gets to the beach, strips off all their clothes and runs in the water. Right, that's what we should be like. Now I am not advocating for nudity or indecency in public places, but we have that, that essence of us should be the same. But there are ways that we cover ourselves, not just with clothes. I mean, clothes are good. Don't get me wrong, clothes are good. Yeah, yeah, you can clothes. Nobody needs to see this, like, without clothes. No, not at all. Um, but there are things that we cover ourselves with that actually are shame and not so good. Ash Wednesday this past week marked the beginning of Lent, and many around the world mark their foreheads with the sign of a cross in the ashes made from last year's palm cross, mixed with oil. And it's a sign to remind us that we are dust and made of dust. So it reminds us of our humanity. We were made from dust and to dust we shall return. We were formed from the humus and to the humus we return. I suggest you take a clump of earth, stick it on a plate and stick it on your mantelpiece just to remind you through this season that you are earth made of earth. The shape of the cross is the one who suffers with us as he hung there naked. That kind of death was a really shameful thing. To be strung up there naked in front of your accusers, I mean, if it, that isn't shame, I don't know that there's anything that is shame. And I'm kind of wondering if there's a link between the humans in the garden who were naked and unashamed and Jesus on the cross, the human who was naked and covered in shame who endured it all so that we might be restored to the naked and unashamed center of who we actually are. That's a very deep thought, and probably not one I want to spoil with words, so I'm just going to leave you with that one and walk away. Uh, let's look at Colossians, and talk about the ways that we clothe ourselves in shame, and put layers of shame on our own existence, and on other people's existence, and especially on those over there. Right? We're really good at going, oh, them over there. <laughs> So Colossians 1 verse 5 says, Put to death, therefore, whatever part of you that is of the earth, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greediness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming on the spawn of disobedience. It's a very flowery language. Um, in these things you also once followed when you were living in that way. But now you all must put away all anger, wrath, wickedness, slander, and bad language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off your old self with its deeds. And you all have clothed yourselves with the new self, which is being made new in knowledge according to the image of its creator. There is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian and Scythian, slave and free. Rather, Christ is all and in all. When Paul says put to death, 
those parts of you that are of the earth. I don't think he's actually talking about the dust that we're made from. He's talking about the world system. Because if he's saying, put to death all of you that's of the earth, then actually that's all of us. Like, give it up. Right? There's not much left. If he means actually of the earth that we were created from. But I think the world system makes more sense. We are humans from the humus. We are good, remember that. So what do we have to put, a de- put to death or put away from us? Paul says this, and to put a caveat on it, he was speaking to the Colossians, so the people who lived in Colossae, at this time. This is not for all people or for all time, for everywhere. This was for them. This is what he said to them, put to death sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greediness, which is idolatry. That was the Colossians people's list of idolatry. They were the things that they placed higher in their estimation than God. That's what idolatry is. When we put things higher than God, that's, that's our idol. So what are ours? Martin Luther said, um, that to which your heart clings and entrusts itself is, I say, really your God. So what are the shiny things? What are the supposedly solid and dependable things that our hearts cling to? And that we entrust ourselves to. Those things would be our list. I will let you reflect on that because your list is going to be different than my list. It's going to be different to the person next to you. But if I was going to take a broad sweeping stab at it, a really broad sweeping generalization of our culture, like hugely, please excuse anything I get wrong. Uh, if I was Paul writing to us, I might say that we could put to death our hyper individualism. I might say we could put to death our rights, our need to be right, our need for personal freedom, our comfort, our nuclear family, nuclear, nuclear, whatever that, whichever word, you know what I mean, family first, our greed, our celebration of celebrity, our sense of mental superiority our overconsumption of natural resources. I mean, on and on and on we could go, right? These are things that we wouldn't say they rank higher than God. We wouldn't say that's higher than God, but actually an alien from another planet might look at us and go, oh, I think it probably is actually. (laughs) It's quite easy to say that nothing ranks higher than God until you have to put that into action. But then actually what does come higher upon the list? And I think... That might be how we put a layer of shame on ourselves, by putting those things higher. And covering up that naked unashamedness that is created in the image of God. So all that stuff, Paul says, needs putting to death. So the question is, what do you need to put to death? What needs to go? He then has a list of things to put away, to get rid of, or to shed. Like a little bit like an uncomfortable shirt. I have shirts. I don't know why. I have them in my closet. I keep them for special occasions, which never happen. Like actual shirts that have no give in them. Why would I do that? I just need to get rid of them. Because I never wear them. I never choose them. I put them on and go, no, it's too controlling. I can't do it. Take it off again. Right, so what do we need to shed? What do we need to kind of go... I just don't have room to breathe in this. And Paul tells the Colossians to put away anger, wrath, wickedness, slander, bad language, lying, and othering 
one another. So I wonder what he might tell us to put away or to get rid of or to just kind of just shrug off. These two lists were about how the Colossians were behaving and how they were treating each other and outsiders. I get that othering thing from the, um, the bit of the end where it says there's no longer Greek or Jew, slave or free, circumcised or uncircumcised. In other places he says male or female, barbarian or Scythian. And I looked up Scythian and apparently it's like a barbarian squared. It's like a, it's like a barbarian plus. Um, he's telling them to stop drawing lines. Stop delineating between you and them. Stop delineating between them and them. Stop making judgments that make them outsiders and you an insider, or you an outsider, them an insider. Just stop all that stuff. Stop othering people. I think this is how we clothe ourselves in shame. I think this is how we clothe other people in shame. And I think this is how we dress the world up so that we aren't as good as we were created to be. And we wear this layer of shame instead of our beautiful, naked, unashamedness. So let's get rid of that stuff and just kind of shake it off like an uncomfortable, scratchy sweater. And be again the humans in the garden, the man and woman, or the woman and her man, naked and unashamed, living in the very nature that God had given, has given us, which is all good. If I was with the children right now, I would say, take a finger and point to yourself and say, I am good. You could do that if you like, if that helps. I am good. I am a human made from the humus. I am rich and deep and fertile because that is who I was created to be. So the question to ask yourself is what do I need to shed? What do I need to put off? So why should we actually even do that? Why should we put stuff to death? Why should we strip it off? I mean, why, why is that a thing? Wouldn't we be putting ourselves at a disadvantage? Because that's how the world works. Well, actually, yes. Yes, that is how the world works. And yes, you are putting yourself at a disadvantage because this is actually how the kingdom of Jesus works. The system that Jesus launched had no divisions because in Christ there are no divisions. Let's hop back to the beginning of Colossians 3. I missed a bit. I jumped in at the middle. Uh, So this is verse 1 of Colossians 3. It says, If indeed you have been raised with Christ, let's hop ahead to Easter morning. If indeed you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Reflect upon things that are above, not the things that are on earth. For you have all died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ is revealed, the one who is your life, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. Woohoo! Easter Sunday can't come quick enough. We have six weeks, however. In Christ, there are no divisions, but Christ is everything, and he is in everything. As we realize the glittery, shiny, and even solid things that we are holding onto for ourselves and just let them go, as we realize the judgments that we are making about other people or about ourselves or people over there and running them down to make ourselves, ourselves feel better, then um, maybe we will, as we put that stuff down, we will actually be able to rise as the whole rich, fertile people that we were made to be. So could this Lenten season be about this? Could it be about realizing that we are wearing the wrong stuff. 
realize that the shame that we have put on ourselves or onto others and onto them over there and taking those layers off because they really don't serve us. They don't serve us well in this kingdom. Maybe as we come to Easter Sunday, we can just leave those things like grave clothes in a pile with Jesus' grave clothes and step out of the tomb into life with him. Because it says, we have started living a new life. Your knowledge of how that life should have the creator's likeness is being made new. We have started a living a new life. Your knowledge of how that life should have the creator's likeness is being made new. Just maybe just think that sentence through. We've started living a new life. May we understand the life that we've had from the very beginning. Maybe then we might know deep down that we've been raised up with Christ and that he is our life. So let me summarize my message with a really long run-on sentence. Are you ready? To start with, we are good. We are made in the image of God, naked and unashamed. However, we put layers of shame on ourselves by distinguishing ourselves from each other and othering them to our shame, their shame, and everyone's shame. But instead, put to death anything that comes from your sinful desires to be better than, to be different to, and to make others less than. Because in Christ there is no division, but Christ is everything and he is in everything. Amen? Amen. Amen. Lord, have mercy on us. 